Joker. So everyone read issue 677? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just select an issue at random in hope that I'm on point. And so far I have been because I <laughs> go from the one after the one I read before. So far I'm killing it. Killing it. Welcome back to Batman in Quarantine, the one where we talk about Batman 677. It's the daily issue-by-issue reread podcast of Grant Morrison's incredible Batman run. Um, As always, I'm here, Jeff, joined by some of the loveliest lovelies on all the land. I'm Justin, and I'm still in quarantine. I'm in my quarantine room, my my bat cave. You're you're in Justin team. Oh. Um, And I'm Roman, and I, I guess I'm in Roman team then. Ooh. Roman like, team lantern. I wish I had started the bit. I didn't. I just said I'm Jeff. Dang. We just went with it. Thanks, we just, Roman. We just yeah. went with it, um, which is sort of what you do because Justin is a co- comedic genius who sometimes you just have to you have to eat whatever random thing he's just said because an hour later it's going to build on itself and become a joke. I just have poor social skills, so, you know, <laughs> it conduct like disorder. Comic, it seems like comic genius is, is what it does. But, it's conduct um, disorder. Listen, right off the bat, discrepancy. Justin, our giant hardcover omnibus says Batman 677 came out in July of 2008. But There's was, dates in here? What the fuck? Yeah, the issue number, it has a month. Um, but the, uh, the the Diamond website and the DC Wiki all said it came out May 28th. So we got a mm. discrepancy window there. I think that that was on Grant Morrison's part. He's Grant. like, hey, let's play with time. Let's fuck these, guy up, these guys up more as they read it. Fourth dimensional chess. He's not mm-hmm. just uh, telling a story about time. He's also incorporating how long it's going to come out as a way of keeping us on our toes, as a way of keeping Bruce on his toes Good lord, Batman RIP issue number two. Yes. Um, A, Jeff, they're all stories about time. Every story is a story about time. 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 Um, And, you know, I like to throw out warnings. Usually I throw out a warning like, fuck yeah. yeah. Roman's on the podcast. (laughs) This warning I got to throw out. This is some dastardly shit. This issue <laughs> is some dastardly. dastardly. Batman 677, in which Batman fights someone in a gargoyle mask. We are taken to the Batcave. We meet the nefarious Black Glove crew and understand their motivations and the, the, the extent of their skills even their further. Reach. Their reach. The reach of each little pindercorn on that glove. Uh, we spend some more time in the Batcave with Jezebel Jet. Her loy- loyalties and allegiances are calling into question. Commissioner Gordon finds out some other nefarious shit about Tom and Martha Wayne that may or may not be true, and some computer stuff happens with Batman. All Batman's very sketchy. Let's life, get into it. Man, I love, I love Batman. Love him. I love Batman. And Batman. I love our hero. <laughs> Typically in stories, uh, you know, I, gen- I genuinely pretty like the hero the most. 
But uh, like you're supposed to. But I love when a good villain decides to just get dastardly. I do too. It's almost like primally erotic. You know, there's it a is. there's a the double page sequence in here where Gordon gets that horrible news thing that may or may not be true. We'll cover in a second. But like, I was just like, oh yeah track marks on her arm oh yeah like what is this is some <laughs> grossly fight club chuck palinuk level like primally I, I don't know yeah. yeah yeah just like when they're attacked at multiple angles i just love i love a clusterfuck guys i love a train wreck clusterfuck yeah absolutely which is why you and i had spent all of that time trying to fully get that candy bar off the ground called clusterfuck there's just a little bit <laughs> Of everything. You got pretzels, you got nougats, you got peanut butter, you got raisins, there's chocolate. But other people don't seem to like clusterfucks as much as you and I. Yeah, what I was embarrassed about is I just didn't even use my hands. I went straight for using the mouth to the floor. And I mean, there's no illusion there. It was just like, Justin, you're not even going to, you're not even going to use the silverware. And I said, no, I, why'd you invite me to this party? I'm not a guy who's going to be using silverware. Roman, how do you feel about a, a clustering of fucks? I, I don't care for raisins. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. get them <laughs> yeah. out of there. But the, I but don't the, even really taste them. But the rest of that that cluster and that fuck, that's fine. Okay. How do you feel about this Batman-based cluster fuck in which we've engaged? It, it it's 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 so good and it's kind of overwhelming and not in this like weird kind of old-fashioned film noir kind of way because like all the shit that is revealed to Gordon. It's just like, wait, what, what, what? Roman, you said <laughs> none of this could be true. <laughs> very poignant. Uh, just before Justin got on the call, yes, about your time in cancer and its effect on your reading of this run. Do you care to share it? Uh, sure. I was like, what? I, I don't. I didn't say anything poignant. <laughs> oh, it's so exciting rereading all this because when I first read it was when I was in cancer treatment, and so the you know chemo brain, and I, so I don't remember any of this. So it's like reading it fresh and new for the first time and it's all very surprising even though i know i've read it all before (laughs) but i don't remember any of it it is nice to revisit one of the coolest runs ever and largely forget it yeah Uh, it's you know it's one of the it's one of the upsides of you know getting stoned and watching a movie that you really like because uh you know you'll probably kind of forget it two weeks later and you can rewatch it it's very good (laughs) yeah yeah and you remember it in a new way yeah yeah i'm totally into the mystery behind dr hurt because i don't remember (laughs) well let's get into this batman we start with is in the sewer and he's just fighting what looks like low-level henchman buddy maybe one of the more defined compound fractures we've ever seen Batman give anybody like that arm. There's a bone breaking out of that guy's arm that he's fighting in the sewer on page one. Yep. Yeah. Just a big old blood gusher. But uh, we get the next page and he's in the, the waters of this sewer yelling, who is the black glove? Just like clearly unhinged Batman stuff. And then yeah. Gordon shows up. And I, I just want to mention that the title Batman in the underworld we're in that underworld theme. Oh, yeah. Going, going deeper. Yeah. yeah, we sure as hell are, while also simultaneously being underground. Yeah. I like the fact, too, that Gordon mentions the black glove and how they tried to find out something, but it, nothing came out of an old movie, which they reference in this later, was an old movie starring uh, Mangold and those guys from the island black glove, glove caper. Mm-hmm. But it was also a real old movie from 1954 a british movie um in in our real life <laughs> i didn't know that yeah i didn't either and i looked up because i was like what's gordon talk about and i looked it up i was like oh 
I thought he's and I thought his wife thought he's talking about that, but he's talking about the movie within the book, and maybe the and maybe the real movie because it was also a film noir about a killer and <laughs> tricking people. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder. We I need to do some some recon on uh, on what that actual movie is. What I thought um, was very impressive in this opening sequence is that Batman gets stabbed at one point, and it is not really expressly stated and the only time you really notice it is that uh, alfred is healing his wounds in the bat cave and he's sort of like hey you've got a wound you should let me you know get at that thing well like the scene starts with the guy with the knife in his hand and then the next shot you see a stab wound on batman and he's bleeding from it but they don't show like a you know it takes place after he was stabbed i like that shot being taken place like after batman's wounded and batman's losing his marbles down here yeah he's absolutely losing his marbles down here uh he's losing his marbles while talking to alfred who's you know mending this wound we're really getting into the heart of now people being pretty concerned about bruce's ability to navigate the world around him Mm -hmm. and we learned that uh tim had left two days earlier out of being concerned which I don't know if we overtly like saw him leave. We just remember, or maybe he was talking about going on vacation in the woods or something. No, that was Resurrection of Rosal Ghoul. But yeah, and then we learned that Bruce is going to be having Jezebel Jet come over for dinner. So he's like, Alfred, you got to go see this movie, The Black Glove. And uh, if you smell burning later tonight, it's because I'm making dinner for Jezebel. So don't worry about it. Yeah, Bruce is just like the type of crazy that, you know, when like, you guys could probably recognize this when you just have too much on your plate and you just need to cancel a few plans, but you say, no, I've committed to it. I'm going to, I'm going to have dinner with my friends. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to write that essay for school. I'm going to do this. And you really should just cut one thing out. Bruce is that guy who just every day of his life is that where he doesn't cut that one thing out. Like he doesn't take a breath. Like maybe I should just accidentally take too much CBD and lay in my pajamas all day. He doesn't ever get those days. It is interesting to think about when he sleeps because he's got to be dropping some ball. It seems like the only thing we know he's not doing because we don't ever see it is his sleeping. You he doesn't sleep, eat a whole lot either. No, that's true. He's probably like a three or four night an hour a night slash day kind of guy. I bet. Right. Um, but in the following double page sequence, we're taken back to that sort of high rise penthouse room in downtown Gotham with the black glove. And in this one, we learn much more about the extent of the Black Gloves' reach, their motivation, and kind of how they're going about trying to tear down Bruce than we did in the previous issue of just sort of meeting their faces. But here we hear, I love the quote from Dr. Hurt, what we're about to do will be a work of art, nothing less than the complete and utter ruination of a noble human spirit. I love it. These two pages, well, first let me get out a oh because man i love villainous villains and they are villainous as fuck these two pages are like my entire inspiration for the campaign that jeff and i have been waging on Django, burning him down yeah since (laughs) since like our moment we met him Django doesn't even know that like you got me the job to burn Django down you're like this fuck is moving into the store we got to let him think that he's gonna hire you and make him feel in control so we can slowly disassemble his mind um and it works, and it all comes from these pages. It, what we learn in this is that 
Dr. Hertz says, while he's looking at all these bad guys, the fracture that will break the Batman. If your gargoyle henchman did his work correctly, Monsieur Le Bossu, the Librium on the blade will make Batman more susceptible to the induction trigger phrase. So what we know is that that cut that he got while fighting in the, the sewer that Alfred was mending him for, it was a, a knife that had a certain poison on it that it's going to be dis, you know, dismantling his ability to be mentally with it, which is a fantastic example of like, I didn't exactly know the moment where he got doused with that drug. The first time I read this issue this morning, went back a second time and was like, Oh, right, right there. Just, it's that great instance of, you know, we we mention it, but uh, showing, well, showing, not telling, I don't know. He didn't need to tell us that that happened, but we saw the explanation for it afterwards. We didn't actually get to see it. It's that I like yeah. uh, the, the puzzle pieces kind of being arranged in an interesting way that, that uh, you know, there's that s- those small moments of discovery that happen throughout moving forward. Again, he's so good at like when he has to tell you, he's already shown you. And that's kind yeah. of a trick you don't see played a lot. Like, pe- you know, you, we all here kind of criticize the reliance on telling the off reader something. But yeah. when he does it for like in this issue, he does blatantly tell us like, oh, this knife, it can't contained a, a poison that's going to make Batman weaker mentally, but like they already gave us the, the show earlier. So he's kind of like, again, doing that quantum time plotting. We're like, Oh, we already have the information we need to make that leap. And then he tells us, and he gives us that click moment really well done. Grant. I love it. Um, this issue actually does a lot of like connective tissue work. Like a lot of things, my memories have missed through this run like what was the deal with this and this and this and thomas wayne being a, a shady fuck which we'll get to this uh this issue single-handedly kind of ties the whole thing together and gives us a lot of kind of prep work to understand the full attack and the full depth of of everything that's going on um For sure roman were you just gonna say something um i was and i i don't i don't remember what it was so i actually <laughs> the librium took effect Oh yeah, yeah, Roman <laughs> Librium. Um, so even just while rescanning this, while we're talking about this, that I, that idea of nothing less than the complete and utter ruination of a noble human spirit, that just made me think about Final Crisis, which is exactly what needed to happen with Dan Turpin in order for Dark Side mm-hmm. to be born. They had to, like, a good noble spirit had to be destroyed, and that was what was required as the sacrifice for Dark Side to be able to embody. The, the body of a human which is like weird that it's mechanically the same thing for a story that led kind of into final crisis and almost yeah. makes you wonder since what happens with batman in final crisis spoilers for final crisis but he gets kidnapped and they're essentially kind of trying to make that happen clone batman's as bodies almost makes you wonder on some level is he prepping you know, Darkseid, the devil, Dr. Hurt, all of these things. It was Batman's body, maybe an original host for Darkseid or some crazy Morrison ideas. I, I love it. I love it so much. I've never put that linked together, but it meshes so well. And then all the bad buddies, just all we have to do now is push. All of the things are in line. Dr. Hurt says, um, all of your targets are his friends. Now go for it, which is... So now we're going to see the Black Glove go on their independent ways to tear down all of Batman's uh, connections, his most most important tools. Yeah, real briefly in this conversation, a couple of things. Do you guys, Dr. Hurt at this point hasn't quite said that he is slash thinks he's Thomas Wayne? 
but he's speaking from that place. He says, no one knows him better than I do. The street, this uh, extreme links to our boy, to which our boy has gone to make himself strong or the powerful indicators of the weakness that he feels that he has to overcome. So he's already speaking as if like he is, holds this deep personal connection with Bruce. And as this issue goes on, we're starting to feel like we're being told that Thomas Wayne was this shady character and we're, you know, Grant Morrison is kind of conflating those two historical figures in our mind. Um, and here Thomas Wayne slash Dr. Hurt really does believe that he's that person. I interpret it. I, th- I think that's a very good read. I just interpreted that as he knows him best because he was in his brain during the isolation experiment. Right. Well, I think the, as the story goes on, we're led to actually believe that this guy is Thomas could Wayne. Be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think kind of what we've here, it really frames it as like, or gives credence to the idea that just since Tom or Dr. Hurt was rooting around in Bruce's brain so long, Mm -hmm. he's adopted that idea and has since placed things in Bruce's mind and history in his life and in his mind as if those are separate things, but like outside evidence and internal evidence that this is like, this is part of the plan is making Bruce think that is bad his dad who he yeah. idolized the most for a long time. I really, really believed that this guy was Thomas Wayne. Yeah. And I, I, I think that was, yeah, absolutely. Like the intention, like you're saying. The... Right. But now it's like, Oh, well he, who he could totally get into Bruce's mind and lead him to believe that. Cause I, I had forgotten the depth of how long Dr. Hurt got to root around in there. Right. You know? Right. Did he say the isolation experiment? Was 10, 10 days. days. Yeah. You can do a lot of shit. If you're a nasty guy in 10 days. In an isolated for, human brain, yeah. Yeah, so I really, really like that idea that, like, once this code, this, like, trigger happens, we stop acknowledging Dr. Hurt as anything separate than Thomas Wayne. The story itself starts, at, like, once that trigger happens, us, the reader, believes that he's Thomas Wayne, and we forget that Dr. Hurt was this isolated other person. And that's almost like the trigger happens to us too, which I thought is a, a cool narrative. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a fucking awesome narrative. Something else uh, Morrison's um, showing without telling, I really like the fact that in this sequence, other than uh, Le Bessou, he doesn't actually, they don't do the standard like little tiny, you know, inset panels like, oh, this is blob in identifying each of these villains. Mm-hmm because we haven't seen any of these people before and he keeps that mystery around who they are. Well, I think the one guy in the, the Luchador is El Sombrero. But well, the rest Justin, we don't know. Justin actually pointed out yesterday that, yeah, like, yeah, you're right. We don't know all these, but we can assume and they've been referenced as kind of like the main villain for each one of those different Club of Heroes guys. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the Musketeer brilliant. references the mime. We have El Sombrero for El Galcho. Scorpina or Scorp is that her name? Scorpina? I can't remember. That's all, definitely a bad guy in Power Rangers and the name of one of our scan guns at the comic shot. I assume <laughs> okay. it's Scorpina. I, I think we should stick with Scorpina. I, okay. I believe you. Yeah, yeah. I, you said that yesterday and I was totally on board with it. Scorpion lady, um, you know, Gaucho is aware of her technology in the Club of Heroes thing. Oh, right. The, the blue scorpions. Yeah. 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 The Julius Caesar guy is obviously. The killer of the other Julius Caesar good guy. Yeah. And then Cowboy <laughs> Dude, I think, is the Australian Night Ranger guy's bad dude. And then the Submariner guy, who I think is the coolest, because he's yeah. just freaky as shit. He 
God, I had it in my mind of who he kind of parallels with or might be the main villain of, but that slips my mind huh. now. No, I, and I, I think that's fucking awesome. Guys, we have Bruce as Batman in the cave, but in the cave. Up in that cave. Bites Jezebel Jet into the cave. And I'm just thinking, she just found out who you are two issues ago. Now you're in the cave. Like, throughout this. Okay. So I'm reading this Anatomy of Zurinar book by Cody Walker. I think often it's full of shit, as I imagine many of our listeners feel like we're full of shit at times. And and we want to make it clear, we know, we're not saying we have the answers, we're just having fun talking about the what-ifs of all of it. In this book, okay, so do we feel like in this issue we got that Jezebel Jett is betraying him? Do you think that that is conveyed in this issue? I didn't, I didn't really think that um, trying to flip through here. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's hints, but I felt like, wow, I, I didn't know if there's something wrong with her or if it's just something wrong with him. I mean, he's certainly losing his mind. And I think that she, I got a feeling that like, since everything else, there's like, he's being attacked on multiple levels that this too has to be in an attack. Like his parents' history, like the thing that he idolizes is being attacked. He's physically being attacked. Remember, they said they're going to separate him from his friends. Robin isn't gone. Nightwing's not listening to him. And so this is like works too well to have her in there. And Bruce is so distraught that he's really leaning on the one friend that he has. You know, he's putting all his eggs in one basket. That almost feels like that's orchestrated too. Like, let's get this person for Bruce to lean on and then... And he even says, like, you know, but it would make so much sense, like, they would be using even you as a weapon, using everything as a... Through this interaction uh, in the Batcave between Bruce and Jezebel, that becomes, like, not hostile at any moment, but, like, agitated. She's, like, basically picking away at Bruce's certainty and determination and saying like doing a fantastic job yeah what if the black love is you like you're the only the only person that would hate batman is bruce wayne the child that was sort of murdered by batman i totally forgot about that dynamic like that idea and i love that so much and she says it convincingly enough and like puts the right phrases together to like i wish that that was a dynamic that was further explored because that's such a fucking awesome way to break batman is like yeah. hey bruce you're the villain like oh man that would suck particularly for bruce and because it, I, he has reason to be mentally not super stable sorry roman yeah yeah and it really and it really is and the fact that she and i don't remember you know again i don't remember if this is true about her but her father was shot dead in front of her too and mm-hmm. the way they've set this up to manipulate bruce's trauma and his his feelings to trust her so much and so quickly right it's just so so well done (laughs) yeah but then also like kind of i I mean i don't know i wonder we remember from this run that she's not on the up and up you know from our looking back in the first times we read this so i wonder if someone were reading this totally cold if they would like I do think that while we don't know that she's bad in this issue, we definitely get some red flags. Is that is that fair? Yeah, For, yeah, yeah. I think in the last yeah, couple definitely of red issues, flags. Okay. Yeah. The fact that she wants to go to this dance of the dead or whatever, mm-hmm. I think her conversation at the fun or at the gravesite mm-hmm. really for me was like, oh, okay. She is has something to benefit from. You know, she's really working hard to, like, eat away at Bruce's wanting to be Batman. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, she's not very accepting and she's, she's got an agenda. And I think that's pretty present. What we alluded to, let's just get right to it here. There's two pages in which someone, like I, I think a, like a high ranking person in the police maybe, but it seems like a superior to Gordon is telling Gordon that they got this file. It was found there was a dossier that was found and it ultimately says that Thomas and Martha Wayne were super sketchy. Martha's parents had hired a private investigator and this is the information that that person had found and that Thomas Wayne was a crazy drunk and hard drug addict. And then there's a picture of him with people from the black glove and a woman that they say is Martha. And she's just like passed out and drugged up and has track marks all over her arms Gordon is like, there's no way that Bruce Wayne deserves this. We need to have this corroborated. They're referring to Alfred, who used to have the stage name Beagle. And apparently in the Golden Age comics, Alfred's actual last name was Alfred Beagle, not Alfred Pennyworth. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, I had to look that up because I was like, why are they using this name Beagle? And yeah, in his very first appearances, he was more of a typical, like, uh, comic character but comic is in funny comic relief um and he was kind of fat and his last name was beagle and he tried to solve crimes on his own but he was bumbling and all that crap and then later on they retconned it oh beagle was just like a stage name he used oh so this double page like yeah that is just it's a deeply fucked up part of the story and i i really loved that sort of throughout this whole run I always, I just, I question like, is this dude actually Thomas Wayne? I just love that part of this story. And I'm on record on Perfectly Acceptable Podcast as saying like, I don't love when stories make it seem like Thomas and Martha, Thomas and Martha Wayne were actually like bad parents or bad people. Like there are times where they've tried to actually portray that that's the way that it was. And I like how this story does it because it doesn't say this is the way that it was. It is more the question of what if this is the way that it was, which is the distinction that I draw in my mind yeah. because I am on record as saying like, I don't like when they try to say that his parents are shitty people, but I like making him wonder if they are. If yeah. They are. I, I, yeah. I really like that too. Cause the end of this sequence is this, uh, whoever this guy is, this journalist publisher, whatever saying that, uh, the rumor that, that Martha's parents say that Thomas murdered her and faked his own death. That sets up, you know, the rest of the right. follows. It's and I, too... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I really agree. Cause I hate it when not only Batman, but any, they retcon something where, Oh, nope, that's these people were terrible. And the what if idea of that is much better. Yeah. And it just looks like with everything else that's going on, it looks like this is clearly a fake thing as part of a coordinated attack to make Bruce believe it, but us as the readers, not really supposed to believe it. And I think that that is a little more, I can handle that more than the idea that these people who have long since been good are just bad because it's edgy. Yeah. I don't like that. So the fact that like, I feel like in this, we're like, Oh, it's very convenient. This, this shows up. And the bombing was when, uh, the devil Batman guy attacked the police station. This file oh, showed up. Nice. So he must have planted oh, it there. Right. Um, and so we have this, like everything's coming together to totally disable, disable Bruce's mind. And I really like a lot of the times in stories, you see people like attack the character's mind because it would, you know, why don't they just kill him? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, so they have to. Why are you write, monologuing, bad guy? Like, right. just do the thing. You have to write a reason to make the hero have a way to defeat him. 
But this idea is like genuinely they have to destroy Bruce's mind. Otherwise, Bruce will find a way out. Mm -hmm. Like you can't defeat Batman because he's got this like super mind. So destabilize his mind before you can kill him because you can't you can't just walk. He's not a guy you can come up and shoot. Right. You know, (laughs) like you can't just shoot him in the head and he's dead. He has a plan for that. So this whole thing is to destroy his mind. So he is just a weak, feeble person that can be killed because you can't kill an idea. Um, you have to destabilize the mind that holds it. And this is just like, they do such a good job of just eating away at everything that Batman as an idea is. His parents are shady. You know, there's nothing worth defending. He's the villain of his own sto- story. He's just a rich All of his rat. friends have turned against him. Right. He's just a crazy guy. He's just a rich jerk. Like, they, you know, even his closest friends now are questioning him and the person he loves is telling him like, maybe you're just kind of a selfish fuck and the, this is your problem. Like, oh, it's such a good way to just ruin a person's life. Exactly. Like if Batman, like you're saying, is an idea, an idea is sort of based on reputation, you know, at least the, the way it's viewed in Gotham, if they can ruin the reputation entirely, you can actually, that's how you get at an idea. You don't physically right. kill an idea. Right, the and final, they're like, oh, sorry, destroying his motivation to be Batman. Like, yeah. oh, Batman's a bad thing. You're the bad guy. And so that, like, destabilizes Bruce's faith in himself. The final act of this issue is, clo- like, the closing act of the conversation that Bruce has with Jezebel. She says, you know, she, it's so effective, you know, to that point, Justin, of, you know, getting in someone's mind. She's not trying to convince him of this other point. She's expressing her sympathy that this is happening to him it's not even like it's a question it's or like hey maybe we should solve this it's like i've already understood the answer and i feel bad for you and you're a point of pity and she's gaslighting him the point yeah it's it is yeah and you know that is the part that i love and 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 she's gaslighting him so well because it's all in the the context of this new love in his life that is concerned about him and his mental state and and she, and that supposedly she understands that because of her trauma it, it's it's just very well done it's realistic in that way i think 100%. i feel so bad for bruce wayne as a person yeah like, oh yeah everything he's gone through <laughs> being batman is just kind of a sad horrible existence to live in a world like you know some people try to say he's crazy and traumatized or he's a hero and I think that he's both. Like, no matter yeah. how heroic he is, he is still crazy and traumatized. And that doesn't take away the good things that he does. But it is, like, it's a both and. And at this point, like, this poor little kid who yeah. saw his parents murdered, who does have these problems with, like, yes, there are more realistic ways to handle crime, but he still tries his best to do good, is being just totally fucking manipulated and torn apart. Like, at the end of the day, that's still a human being and a shattered little child. Yeah. And the black glove doing this to him is just so fucking evil. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jezebel is right that, um, you know, that Batman is, is a six-year-old's coping mechanism for dealing with, you know, his parents getting slaughtered in front of him. And that's what I've always felt like the... the the character aspect of Bruce Wayne is fundamentally important to Batman. And there are people who say Bruce Wayne is the, the, I, the, the secret of the, the mask and Batman's the real character. But like, no, just like you said, Batman is always going to be a coping mechanism that a six-year-old boy came up with. And 
you know, I don't think you can ever undo the heart of that, which is like a damaged child. But so at the end here, the argument is escalating between Jezebel and Bruce. And he's looking at the screens of his back computer, sort of talking about like, well, no, I, I can't be doing this to myself because the computer would understand that because it's doing more calculations and algorithms about solving this than I am. So I, I at least know that's not true. So I love his faith in the computer, but as he's looking at these computer screens, all of them say Zurian R written in various places, which has been seeded throughout the entire run up until this point, but he's not able to see it. He's only able to see fuzzy screens. And she's the one who says they all, what are you talking about? They all, they're all saying graffiti that says Zurian R, which is when we see that robotic mask show up again, which Justin had pointed out is the original Batman Zurin R like mech costume from the old days. Yeah, but it, the issue is Robin dies at dawn. Okay, nice. Yeah. And uh and it seems like Batman realizes something's gonna happen. He says, not now. Then he seems to think he's getting an emergency phone call from Commissioner on the, the hotline, which isn't happening. And then he falls over and then the black glove image is all over the screens. And then we seem like there's maybe some sort of time jump and Gordon or Gordon Alfred comes back home, smells the burning, goes downstairs and the deep super black manta looking character is there. And they, the issue ends with them beating the shit out of Alfred. So let's talk for a second about this, the Zurin R happening now. Like he's been drugged. His psychon, like his psychic consciousness, is sort of falling apart. He's weak to psychic attacks. Right. I love that. Yeah, and ink is what the in the oh yeah from the garage. Yeah, because that's yeah. that girlfriend that got written out of commu- like continuity is not in our continuity, so she technically doesn't exist. Oh, right. I, the, the original yeah. Batwoman. Yeah. yeah, so that is also playing on this level of like there's things edited out of Batman's life and he needs to not trust everything he's experienced. Yeah, yeah, because she was around during these Zuran R years and adventures. So yeah, we see in here the Zuran R, I mean, that, that's the trigger board, right? Yeah. Right. It is, but it seems like he's almost visually blind to it, and he can yeah. only have it triggered if someone says it to him. He needs to say it. Yeah. You know, she's playing like, oh, I can't see what's going on. You know, she knows that she needs to say that word. Yeah. And then when she does, it all collapses and he sees, you know, this like demon face of his past. Oh, see, I didn't, I, wow, I didn't get that, Justin, that, that I didn't get the implication there that she's just playing her role there. I yeah. thought she, on, she honestly was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I feel like she's pretending to not, you know, know what's going on. And she's like, oh, is it Zurin R this happens to be the trigger word? Oops. Yeah. Well, but I do think that he is seeing static on screens. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He's not seeing it. Yeah, I don't think he can see it until she says it. But yeah, yeah, like like you're saying, she's got to be there to be the thing that says that name. I love the visually iconic shot of him having fallen down in the black glove that's like kind of a sketchy drawing of a hand is like casting this red light all over the room. Like there's a really hellish apocalyptic feeling that comes through this uh this series um, it really now, feels like batman's defeated like yeah he's done it, yeah that, that overhead shot with the red and, and the and the, the black just enroaching from the bottom of the page it's a really creepy shot yeah and we so so roman i know you've got to get out of here in just a couple minutes for an appointment so what are what, do we have any without rushing too much do we have any finalizing thoughts on this <laughs> issue like what a 
I love this one because it's perverse in a way that like, you know, you're like, oh, this is fucked up. I want to see what this fucked up stuff is. Yeah. Oh, oh, go ahead, Justin. Oh, I was just going to say, it's just masterfully done. It it is so well written and so well, um, um, the storytelling on all the levels is so good. And I love the fact when Alfred comes in at the second to last page, he's he's complaining about how bad the movie The Black Glove is. <laughs> and artistically, when he walks into the bat cave and he's got a fire extinguisher, a bat is flying past him and it's on fire. Oh God. <laughs> that <Yep>. poor bat. <laughs> Roman. And then poor Alfred. I, I really hate I love Alfred. Everybody loves Alfred. And I really hate seeing him getting beat up. <laughs> me too. I like it. It's like seeing a dog die in a movie. It drives me fucking insane. Yeah. And, I didn't, it, and end like, the issue that way. They're fucking him up too. That's our butler. Yeah. And yeah. That's America's butler right there. <laughs> yeah. And he's getting stomped. Yeah, Gargoyle got, stomped. Yeah. They've got clubs and bats. I mean, geez, man. Come on. Oh. Beagle, come on. Don't do that Beagle. to Beagle. <laughs> Dude, one oh. other point of note is we've gotten some shots of the Bat Cave so far in this run, but this seems like, and I mentioned earlier, I love when an artist kind of gets to take their big grandiose spin on the, the Bat Cave in a new comic run. Mm-hmm. And this one is kind of the most we get to live with Tony Daniels' perception of the Bat Cave so far. And I love its inclusion of all of the thing, the Joker card, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, the Penny, all sorts of things, the Riddler or the Mad Hatter's hat, but also all the tubes with old costumes and, and different various things. Near the end of the issue, there's even just him walking by a case and there's just like three unused bat suits we haven't seen yet that are just like cool looking. It's the kind of stuff that when I was a little kid... I would watch shows and you know read things. I was like, I want that to be a toy. Like I want all of those action figure toys of all those different costumes. We get to see like the Robin car with the big Robin logo at one point. And it's got all these different vehicles. Like I really love that little bit of Batman comics, the playful getting to hang out in the bat cave. Cause it just makes me want a whole bunch of toys. Yeah. Sure. Me too. There's one panel right toward the end, right before Bruce, um, after he's been triggered and before he collapses, uh, there's a panel where in the corner of the panel, it shows a a big red, like, siren flashing light, which I, which I think is a nod to the TV show, because I don't remember that ever actually oh. being on his computer panel in any other comics. Yeah, the one where he's about to fall down. I did uh, notice yeah. that. I was yeah. like, is that the, the commissioner hotline? Like, Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> what do you guys think of the commissioner hotline statement that he makes? Jezebel, the commissioner's on the hotline. There's an emergency. I think well, that that's actually Gordon trying to... Well, I guess no, because he doesn't know Bruce's... I thought it was Gordon trying to warn Bruce Wayne about like the, the shit that his parents... Thing. Yeah. I wonder really? if it's just like that. this post-hypnotic suggestion kind of triggers back to a golden age sort of defense mechanism of like, there's, you know, Gordon's calling. There's a, crim- <laughs> there's a criminal afoot. Yeah. I really like that. That's what, that's what I thought it was, because... Like a PTSD other, other than flashback... This- yeah, other than the six, the sixties, and maybe the fifties, and the sixties TV show, I don't think he's ever had like a direct hotline from right. Gordon to the Batcave. <laughs> so I think he's just after he's been triggered, he's imagining flashing back to that implanted memories from that time. I'm so tempted to always just end these fucking episodes of all of us buddies sitting around just talking about Batman random stuff. But in the interest of time and succinctness and having anything to say tomorrow when we come back and Roman's appointment, (laughs) I suppose we should probably uh, 
in this <laughs> psychedelic holographic horror piece um, with just yeah. saying what another masterful issue. I'm totally with you guys. This one, it took a lot of restraint on my part to not read more of it because this is just so good. And I cannot wait to talk to you guys about the next episode tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I Justin, read... <laughs> I love Justin's face. I, I, I it's, uh, I'm being tickled all over right now. The gooey duck is on the table, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I read ahead last night and read that issue too because I just couldn't stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the, real, I get it. The, the only real reason I stopped it because I was so sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Well, hey, thank you both for joining me, and I can't wait to talk to you both tomorrow. It's uh, same bat time, same bat channel, as they say. Absolutely. I'm so glad we're here, getting to be here on the call and in the spot in the book. And the gooey, the gooey duck is on the table. That We're going to have to unpack that reference for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> next week. We're going to have to bring the, the gooey duck hammer down on everyone. But all right, for episode 18 of Batman in Quarantine, uh, on behalf of Justin, Roman, and Jeff, we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you. So long. Thank you. So long.